0: Hello and welcome to the fifth podcast of Mad Femmes. We are really excited to break down this super masculine episode. If the last episode was about the ladies, this one was about the men. And we are here to break it down for you. I'm Shannon Bowen in Oakland. I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. I'm Rachel Horowitz, also in Oakland. And Brandi Sperry is still in Vietnam We won't hold it against
1: her. She'll be back next week. I can't believe she signed up for another tour. I just can't believe it.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's the best joke of our podcast.
1: That's it. Just stop listening now. We're done, folks. (laughs) Thank you very much. We're done.
2: I'm glad for Brandy that she missed out on Dawn's plaid jacket.
0: Oh, my (laughs) God. That plaid jacket. I couldn't handle it. That was really a shock, but we'll get to that shock
2: later. (laughs) It was the most shocking thing. It was the shocking part of this episode. It was, like, not very masculine, actually, to me. But anyways, let's talk about, um, let's dive right into the fight. (laughs) Fight! It kind of made me, it made me think about, you know, when people, older people say, in my day, you know, no one got shot. We would just... Settle our scores with a good old fashioned fight. That's kind of what immediately came to mind.
0: <laughs> oh, I loved how everybody loved watching it. You know, there was this little sparkle, especially in Roger's eye. You know, everybody wants to see Pete get pummeled.
1: Mhm. Oh. And and they and they, I think they were really curious about Lane. Like, would Lane deliver? You know, would Lane deliver the fist? I totally, I did not, I love
2: when Roger calls it at the end because I didn't, I didn't know who to bet on
0: at all. Yeah, I mean, I could have just evolved into a slap fight. I mean, I really didn't know if either (laughs) of them knew how to punch (laughs) at all. Is this going to get into a tickle fight?
1: Some hair pulling. (laughs) Well, this is, who's referencing Bridget Jones here? Oh, me. I, I'm just
0: always think of that line. Yeah. It's such a good one, though. (laughs) I know.
2: But you know what the difference is? In Bridget Jones, you know, that movie has its flaws. But that's a pretty funny slash endearing fight. This Mm -hmm. was the saddest fight between two of the saddest sad
0: men ever, you know? Yeah. Just call the show Sad Men, how this season's going. (laughs) Oh, Oh, second best joke. Second
1: best joke. Oh, we, we have our podcast title, Sad yeah. Men.
0: Sad Men. Everybody's sad. I mean, this season, it's kind of hard to think of things to make fun of because everything's such a deep bummer. Well, I
2: honestly don't even know where to start with this episode because it just got so interesting. Like, you guys, Pete is officially a very interesting character.
0: Oh, I think he's always yeah. been interesting.
2: Really? I mean, like, he was like a weasel before... But we're really going in deep with Pete, you know, in terms of his drowning in the suburbs. And I thought we were all friends line at the end, mm-hmm. and his face just looked like a sad, beat up piece of white guy meat, you know.
1: Yeah. And the whole the whole thing with him watching that girl with with her new boyfriend and Ooh, Pete. Yeah. Hitting on a high schooler
2: at driver's ed, which, by the way, more death imagery, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so I mean, someone's dying in this season. Someone is dying. I mean, can we
1: just I feel that. Am I being too dark? No, there's so many dark references. Don is drawing his noose and um, Pete watching those those death films and them looking out the window in the previous episode. Yeah. Talking about throwing something through the somebody through the window, but has aside from Blankenship, has anyone else died? Has have they ever had anything that heavy? Grandpa Gene. That's true, although which that? did inspire one of the best scenes
0: ever of when uh, the guy comes to tell Betty and Sally, and Betty just goes inside and leaves Sally out on <gasps> the lawn. <laughs> yeah, mom of the year,
1: mom <laughs> of the year. So do we really think Pete is going to die? Do we think Roger? I mean, who, like... I thought it was really interesting how Pete says, I
0: have nothing now, when he gets in the elevator with Don. Does that mean he's lost his pride? I mean, I, you know, it's kind of one of those classic literary, it's so vague it could mean anything. Um, I mean, I kind of felt like I have nothing here at the office. I mean, I feel... Okay, so maybe Pete just feels like he's not getting the recognition he deserves because he's brought in all this business. So he's acting out by ma- putting everybody down all the time, thinking to get pump up his ego. But then he gets the shit beat out of him. So now he's got nothing.
1: So there was this this interview on Slate with uh um uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. The the guy who plays Pete. Yeah. Arthur. Carthyzer, right. So um, there was an interview with him, and, and the Slate interviewer says I, they're scared that something horrible is going to happen to Pete, and he replies, um, "You do have anxiety, but if I'm going to die on a show, this is the one I want to do it on." It's like, what? That was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> we were, we thought you were going to say, "Ha ha ha!" No, don't be silly. I won't die. If I was doing
2: PR for AMC, I would be pissed at that actor right now. I feel like that gives a lot away. Totally. Yeah, I think you're totally nailed it in the intro, Shannon. The depths of male insecurity and anxiety that this episode explores, particularly with Pete, but with the other guys too, it's just so uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've always thought that this show is about gender roles and how everybody is unhappy in the roles that they've been assigned. And I've loved that discussion from the beginning. But I just, the juxtaposition of this super feminist, all about the ladies taking control of their life episode, you know, juxtaposed with this, like, I'm a man, I have no control over my life, and I hate my life, you know, it's just very, very interesting. Except for Kenny Cosgrove. Except for Kenny Cosgrove.
2: He is really such a little doll face, isn't he? I'm so crushing on him. Oh my I God. totally am. First of all, how amazing is it that A, he's kept up with the writing, love that. Mm-hmm. And he's making time for it. Like everyone else has to go to whore houses and rolling Stone <gasps> concerts, you know, and drink and not see their families to deal with clients. And he's like making time to write.
0: And sleep next to Alex Mack every night. Yeah. No, I love their relationship. It's nice to see a happy relationship that they actually know each other, you know, because Trudy and Pete have been happy quotations, you know, because they don't she doesn't know who he is at all. But I feel like Ken and Cynthia really know each other. And it's just really nice. It's really refreshing.
1: It's nice. And she's working. Yeah.
0: And he's writing science fiction, which is great. It's so funny. I was like, what? Jo-? I thought he was going to say erotica when she was like, well, what are the stories? And I was like, he's going to say erotica. But then it was just as embarrassing to say sci-fi. Totally. I guess at the
1: time it would be. Yeah.
2: But it the description perfect. of the story, building the bridge and then the final narration voiceover. I thought mm-hmm. that was perfection. I thought it was really good writing.
1: Yeah. So this, this show was written by... Um... Uh, co-written by Frank Pearson, who uh, won an Oscar for writing Dog Day Afternoon. And um, he directed A Star is Born with Barbara Streisand. And he also wrote Cat Blue and Cool Hand Luke. So this is quite something.
2: Yeah, he's a heavy hitter. I think he's one of the more talented screenwriters living. So that's, I think probably added to a really really well done script and then um slattery directing I thought he did a great job.
1: Yeah, it was good. It was really yeah.
0: good. It was a great episode.
2: Um so before we move on, I'm staring I'm staring at our so for fans of the podcast you may not know, but we write up a little agenda to make keep us on track for the podcasts and I'm staring at one of the notes that says and it's just making me laugh gum in pubes so much to discuss here
0: (laughs) (laughs) how did you even how did they even come up with that okay hold on let's just talk about how this would go down obviously it started with a blowjob right well yeah but also it's just like how are you giving a blowjob with gum in your mouth a or did you take it out and put it there and he's just so turned on he doesn't notice Secondly, how does he not feel gum in his pubes and did it stick to his underwear? I mean, this could get crazy, guys.
2: Third, how are you not able to quickly explain that away? Like, how does your wife go straight from, there's pubes, gum in your pubes. You were with a hooker. <laughs> yeah, It's the new lipstick on the collar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like It makes me feel really naive. If I, that were my husband, I'd be like, there's gum in your pubes. Ha ha. Like or I would you sit I, on I, some or something? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> did you like take your gum out and scratch your junk? Like I wouldn't even <laughs> <laughs> You get confused. He was at the gym and he sat down in the sauna where someone had left their gum. There's yeah, any like anyways to explain this away.
2: What a dummy that he couldn't get away with this. And I just want you guys to know I just worked in junk for a second
0: week in a row. Well sure. that's why we bring your talent to this podcast. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I love how Lane Lane refers to it as chewing gum in his pubis.
0: Yeah,
2: I know. I thought it was like, like, it sounds very like a, a body part, like pelvic or something.
0: Yeah. I thought it was really out of line for Peter to call him a homo. I get really upset.
2: When did? Oh, is that what started the fight.
0: Yeah. He goes, oh, probably because you're a homo or something. And then it was just I don't know. I mean, maybe it's with called for. My- you know, modern lens, you know, back then there wasn't such an awareness around it, but it just really upset me. And I feel, you know, it's really sad when Lane is telling, um, Joan, well, you could do everything. I'm not needed here. Well, it's
2: weird because I think what's weird is there's a lot of camaraderie and fun and like bro partnership between, um, Don and Roger, mm-hmm. you know, I think they work well together. They have good chemistry. They've got each other's backs with, with clients. And Pete and Lane are kind of a disaster in a lot of ways, you know? Mm-hmm. They're both so insecure about what they're bringing to the firm.
1: Yeah. I have to say that in this episode, for the first time this season, I thought Don was cool. Oh, my totally. God. Totally. Was it the plaid jacket that convinced you? Except for the plaid jacket, which just (laughs) made my eyes bleed through the whole show.
2: If anyone could pull off sex in the car and wear a plaid jacket on the same evening, that's pretty fucking cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's Don Draper right there. I mean, obviously Don Draper's golden moment was like taking his shirt off and fixing the sink. I mean,
0: that's just just a total
1: porn fantasy of mine. Right, right let's all just,
2: like, slow that scene down in our minds right now. Just Did you guys hear Ch- Catch Trudy's line? She's like, oh, I just turned it on and it squirted in my face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is that what she says? Yeah. Oh, my God, and I love that Megan is totally biting her lip. Like, she is, can't wait to, She's like, get him in the car and take like that goddamn flag jacket off. Yeah. She's like, That's my man fixing your sink, Trudy. Yeah, why is it so hot when men fix things?
2: It's just well, there's a couple things that are hot, I believe. Being with your dude who you're proud of amongst other couples is always kind of fun, you totally. know? True. And True. then when your dude shines in a way that is like taking off his shirt and fixing <laughs> and he looks like John Hamm. I mean that's like, right. That's a really fun night. Fun evening for the Drapers.
0: I think more for us cerebral people, it's more like, oh, my dude said a really funny joke at the party. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Right. Yeah. Modern love. I was at a New Year's Eve party with my then fiance, and he fixed the host's jiggly doorknob. Ooh. Very quietly without saying anything. He just fixed it. And then my host realized that my host, who's not handy... Um, was like in awe of my now Aww. husband.
0: That's a great I hope you had sex with him in the car on the way home. Hey. Yeah. It's <laughs> the Thank least you. It's
2: the least you could have done.
1: Hey, <laughs> we live in New York City. A oh, car. So, <laughs> so it would have been awkward on the F train. <laughs> and I
2: I also love Don oh, only Don Draper is cool enough to say like, I'm too drunk for you to be driving. <laughs> Like that's such a like smug cool line, and I was like, he's so adorable. <laughs> what a guy! But you guys, so let's what's up with the Don is a hunk of a man meme going on this season? I feel like they've never been this on the nose about it, like clear. It's John Hamm. The man gets the ladies. We we all have eyes, but they're really right. you know. There's a lot of exposition around this.
0: Well, I think that, that you know, speaking of how this whole episode's about threatened masculinity, I think all the men feel threatened by that Don is such, you know, this hunky dude. I mean, look at Pete, and he's always, like, comparing himself to Don and wanting approval from Dawn. I mean, he's just, like, this little yappy dog wanting Dawn to like him all the time.
2: Oh, my gosh. When Pete looks, like, so... Hiss that he feels like he's so overly sensitive that Don is judging him for hook, doing the hooker thing.
1: Right. Because Don didn't didn't do anything. Although I also thought that conversation that Don had with the madam mm-hmm. was really Oof. great. Like just uh, again, just Mr. Cool, you know? Yeah.
2: Now it's like I can't believe we spent all this time with Don Draper loathing him. I mean, I'll admit it. I was convinced he was the devil. And he had, like, no conscience. He was hiding who he really was, sleeping around, like, zero, like, no real set of values or anything that he seemed to hold dear. And it's, like, a whole new guy this season.
0: Okay, don't get too comfortable. We have two more seasons after this one. Okay. Oh, you're right. Yeah, don't get crazy. But it's almost like
2: according to, like, Pete— you know, in this, like, dude code thing. It's like Don's kind of cracked the code, you know? He's got the young wife, the swanky mm-hmm. downtown. He's not stuck in suburbia. It's like right. he's wriggled out of the life that Pete feels really trapped in right now.
1: Yeah, like they switched places.
2: Yeah! Like, oh, my God. They did Doesn't
1: Trudy look more and more like Betty all the time?
0: Oh, my God. And- I read the Tom and Lorenzo blog because I was hoping they would talk about her dress that she looked like she was like Betty in season one in the 50s and she looked so dumb compared to the other women
2: yeah
0: I mean Megan's dress was awesome oh my gosh it was so awesome of course I did appreciate how no one could remember Cynthia's name because I feel like that happens so much and it's just nice those little moments that you can relate to of when you have to go to a dinner party and you're like I never remember You know, my friend's girlfriend's name. Well, that's
2: another, like, big props to this episode. They totally captured the dinner party and the burbs, you know.
0: Oh, it just seemed like hell. I mean, that house is so ugly and small and confining. I mean, it's just like everything about that
1: whole scene was just like, get me out. Get me out. That house seems smaller than their apartment. It's it's. It's very uh, oppressive.
2: All yeah.
1: Different that all that wood paneling, that quote-unquote rustic look. The kitchen is tiny. I did
0: love when Don's trying to get out of this hellacious dinner party, and mm-hmm. he calls Trudy, and she does not take his shit for a second. And she, yeah, she was a gem. I mean, it was just as exciting watching that as watching. Peggy with Sterling in the last episode. Just these ladies negotiating. Love it.
2: Yeah, they were amazing. I love that. She's like, This is a party for you,
0: Don. <laughs> it's gonna happen now or in the future.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Trudy's Trudy's pretty great. You know it's funny, as I'm such a huge fan of community and I have the biggest disconnect. Like one night I'm watching Allison Bree as oh. this young college student on community and then the the next night I'm watching her as this suburban housewife in the 60s, and I can't even believe it's the same actress sometimes.
2: No, she's so... Well, it, I think it speaks to how talented she is. That's great.
1: What this episode really
0: set up for me, too, is I am dreading the moment that you know, just like the baby's going to come out, the the Peter Peggy baby, I am dreading when Trudy really sees Peter for who he is, and she gets all this shit he's been doing, you know?
2: Well, I think that's, you know, last season was so satisfying because Betty, it was last season, right? I mean, Betty finds out everything.
0: It was two seasons ago.
2: Oh, when Betty finds out everything that Don's been hiding, it's kind of, it's amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'm hoping, yeah, we get a a similar Trudy moment, but probably more explosive because Trudy is full of way more confidence and sass than Betty is.
1: Or if you know Pete gets thrown out the window by Roger, you know, no worries.
0: Then it'll be like Brothers and Sisters, where they find out later all the things he did. <laughs> Six <laughs> more seasons.
2: Um, wait, you guys, we have to talk quickly about the another ominous, um, overlay like real event, the Texas shooter. Right?
1: Oh
0: yeah.
2: And so, okay, there's these weird connections to Don. Right. Someone wrote, so there was Richard Speck.
1: That was the guy in Chicago who killed the nurses. And then there's Charles Whitman. Who was the guy in the University of Texas tower that was shooting at people. And then there's Richard Whitman, who's Dick That's Whitman. putting the, well, that's the thing. I stole this from somewhere because I'm not this creative, but... But, yeah, if you take Richard Speck's first name and Charles Whitman's last name, you get Richard Whitman, which is Dick Whitman. (gasps) Crazy. Ranged mass murderers. Is he going to kill Pete?
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is getting
0: really weird, you guys. This is getting
2: really weird.
0: I mean, they've already set up such intensity. It's only four episodes in. I mean, it's only going to get more intense.
1: Yep. I mean, those yeah. two people, Richard Speck and Charles Whitman, both snapped mm-hmm. and both killed a whole bunch of people. I
0: am really enjoying how each episode is tied to a historical event, though. That's been really cool.
2: And Don strangled a lady.
0: In his dream, yeah.
2: Right. Oh. So there's some weird, weird, real dark stuff going
0: on here. I do have to say, though, this whole episode and like, poor me, I have everything that I want and it still doesn't make me happy. was just like, God, who wants to sit around and listen to white people problems? You know, just these privileged white men whining about their lives when you've got the civil rights movement and stuff going on. It's just. I wonder how Dawn number two is taking it, listening to all these men whining all the time.
2: Yeah, I think it's. I mean I I
0: think the the
2: focus on this is because it is meant to look really pathetic. Like I think these guys are meant to maybe embody or symbolize America at the time or yeah. a changing generation, you know, something bigger than just ad men.
1: Well, you know that that we're at a time where everything that they take for granted is changing
2: right exactly all,
1: all the privilege that they have taken for granted as their birthright is being challenged from every direction
2: mm-hmm. and so watching yes. that crisis that the, their crisis of identity is playing out in these really fascinating and pretty kind of pathetic and uncomfortable ways you know
0: hence fighting in the boardroom <laughs> i
2: love how they're like joan out I would have been so mad if I was her. I'd be like, no way. I totally
0: want to see Elaine Pete fight. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that she, you know, hails Peggy in. I mean, there's just these little moments with Joan and Peggy, and I just really want them to hit it
1: off as friends. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hope that happens. So I had this, this, there was this other thing that I, somebody tweeted this about Megan that, you know how they keep referring to how Megan used to be an actress? Yeah. And somebody tweeted that maybe Megan was really a call girl and actress's code for what she was.
0: Oh, deep. I wouldn't be surprised. She was talking about we could go to parts of town where we could run into people that she hmm. slept with. And she seems to know her way around the kink.
2: Well, if that doesn't make her a hooker, I don't know what does.
1: Well, but, you know, when people refer to her being an actress, she like doesn't really want to talk about it. And her friend at her party said something about what a great actress she was. And, she was like, uh, Ixnay on the actress way.
2: Interesting. Maybe there is a lot more to um, Megan's history than meets the eye.
0: Maybe she was in a porno. Oh. I would love
2: it. Oh, my God. I would love it if Don ended up marrying someone who was concealing as big a secrets as he concealed in his first
0: marriage. Yeah. I think she... Each episode, she surprises me and I like her more and I'm interested to see where they're going with Megan. Maybe she's a Parno star. Maybe she's going to cheat on Dawn. I don't know, but I'm interested. I'm on the Megan train. So I think one of
2: the final moments we should tackle is Lane's kiss with Joan. Oh, that's been coming for a while, I think. No, I was so disappointed. I think it's been coming, but it, it actually made me really, really dislike him a lot.
0: He needs to get it together in some way. Mm-hmm. I just don't find him
2: very
1: interesting. Do you guys? I I find him sort of fascinating because he's just so different than the other guys, I think. But he's just a constantly uncomfortable. Wherever he is, he's deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, I can't get what, like,
2: the deal is. Like, he won't just articulate. like. Pete is uh, ambitious and he's uncomfortable the suburbs, you know, like
0: like you can pinpoint what it is.
2: Yeah. Like Lane. It's like, what is it? it your like being British in America is weird. You dislike your wife or you love your like, I can't like what does he hate his wife? I don't I can't really tell.
0: I think he wants to be this person that his life doesn't allow him to be. He wants to be like this lecherous dude you know, not be married and get to live in New York and have all this weird sex with different women. I think that's what he wants. And he feels confined by the roles that he's been placed in.
1: Mhm.
2: And the role, I guess, of just like the money guy. And he kind of wanted to try to be a relationship guy and he failed.
0: Well, I think he's it's really painful watching him try to be cool. It's just it's so awkward. It's like, dude, you're not cool. And that's OK. He would do great now because dorky's in.
2: Uh, So Joan's reaction to the kiss is pretty, I think, um, you know, classy Joan. It's,
0: it's a more subdued response than I would give. I was going to say she had every right to slap him.
2: Totally. Which I would have. I don't know. Teresa, what do you think?
1: I don't know. Joan is so cool. She's so... <sighs> She's always so just professional she can deal with anything that comes at her in this cool professional manner she's probably had guys do that to her like a thousand times
2: i was gonna say i think she i think she intuitively understands the men she works with you know she probably knows them better than they know themselves
0: i also think she really understands you know men will be men and she knows she's this beautiful voluptuous woman you know, and mm-hmm. she, she sets her boundaries. Obviously, we saw her, you know, kick that deadbeat out. Um, But she's okay letting men slide a little bit here and there. Yeah,
2: I think she yeah. gives them a, a lot of leeway because ultimately I think she knows how to game that. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Like, I think someone like Peggy would have a real problem with that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we'll see what happens with her and Roger. They seem to be hinting at that, which is weird. Peggy and
1: Roger, yeah, it's weird.
2: Um, I think the one of the final pieces. I mean, I wanted to talk about was I thought the exchange between Ken and Roger was so fascinating. What did you guys think? Where they say where Roger basically scolds him for for writing for having a hobby outside of work.
0: I think Roger is so jealous of Ken.
2: Well, he call he's like he refers to himself as an author
0: as well. Yeah, a he's ruined like, author. <laughs> yeah, I think that you know I don't know I still see this in the modern workplace of that your whole priorities your whole focus should be this job, you know and that's ridiculous. People are gonna have families and creative pursuits and things and there's some people that you know I think what does she call in the artist way it's blocked creatives, you know they don't. They don't understand that and then they punish you for it, that you're actually doing your creativity. hmm Yeah. Well, I
2: think Roger's doing a lot of projecting, you know? I think, like, Don, I think Don thinks it's super cool, super great, you know?
0: Well, he's a creative person.
2: Yeah. I think Ro- Roger's like, whoa, you are rocking everything that I thought I knew to be true about the choices I've made in life, you know?
0: Well, Rogers and... only made the wrong choices. Yeah. Yeah. But remember Don was writing. He was writing his little journal in the sunshiny episodes of last season when his apartment didn't look so depressing.
2: Yeah, that's right. Sad Don Draper. <laughs> Ugh, I hated that. You guys, I am actually we were a little worried about boring Don this season, but I'm kind of getting into cool Don Draper. I don't like sad Don. I definitely like cool fix the sink Don.
0: I really like that the show is embracing the ensemble more. I mean, I feel like we're really getting to dive deeper into the other characters instead of it being so Dawn-focused. You know what I'm going to say, but I just want more Sally. You know, that's all I want. More Sally. We always want more Sally. I just can't
1: get enough. I could watch a whole Sally show. And I want some Dawn. When do you think they're going to start giving us a Dawn storyline? I mean, Secretary Dawn. I think, I think we should color Dawn V two. I think
2: civil. I think civil right. I think civil rights has to have, you know, they open the season with that lame stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. they've kind of placed Dawn, you know, and Peggy together. I have a feeling race will come crashing in in a bigger way, you know, in in this this season. You, don't you feel? I feel like it's looming, just Definitely. outside. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I definitely think so, race and feminism, and yeah, it's I'm pumped, I'm ready let's yeah, let's do this now, yeah, let's break some windows, let's get crazy, yeah, I mean <laughs> yes,
2: so okay, well, predictions for the next episode.
0: what do you guys think? Do you know what's gonna happen? Oh my God, Peggy's smoking in the next episode when they showed <sighs> the clip. She is losing herself, guys. She's drinking too much, and now she's smoking. She's like a freaking dare ad.
2: Ooh, I love <laughs> Peggy. I, I love debaucherous Peggy. I love it when she,
0: like, gets... No, but scared. she's always been against smoking. I feel like this is her, once again, trying to fit in a man's world. Oh. Don't wear the shoulder pads.
1: Don't smoke the cigarettes.
0: Just be yourself.
1: There's a sneak preview of of the following week. Like they're just as obtuse as possible, oh, yeah, a whole bunch of unrelated scenes and provocative half sentences, and it's like this will have nothing to do with what it's actually about, we should totally make our <laughs> own.
0: Did you bring me that coffee? I hate paper <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah April is always cold. You know what I mean. you know it's just like it doesn't make any sense because they never show you they never
2: show you who anyone is talking to.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, you're here. Yeah. It could be anybody. Okay. I think that is the end of this episode. There was a lot to talk about. I'm really looking forward to the next episode. I mean, I don't know. We had it all about the ladies, all about the men. Maybe it's going to be all about the children next time. Who
2: who knows? Maybe the next episode, someone will die.
0: I think it's a little early. Do we know how many episodes this season is? Isn't, aren't they always 13? Yeah, I think it'll be a 12 or 13. So we're not even halfway yet. So okay. hold on. Okay. Hold on there, Rach. I don't think all anybody's right. going to die yet. But, you know, here's okay. hoping, you know. Uh, I'm going to wear all black just in case. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, we'll see you guys next week when we discuss another scintillating episode. It's raining, man.